John Torrey sitting in here uh, for John Moore, as the man said, and it's time for the morning brief with Sabrina Nanji at Queen's Park uh, and at the Queen's Park Observer, for that matter. Sabrina, good morning. Good morning. Two days in a row. Thank you for uh, joining us. Uh, lots <laughs> to talk not about. Me. What's that? No, no, not at all. Uh, lots to talk about this morning, though not much in the way of hard news, uh, but starting with... Uh, provincial legislation that has now taken effect, I think it was passed a while ago, that puts uh, Toronto buildings, but also other places, at risk of losing their heritage status. And, you know, I think that while it was controversial at the time, while it still is in heritage circles, I was making the point a few minutes ago that, you know, when you take things too far and start designating, you know, kind of half-broken-down shops as being heritage sites just for the sake of stopping development, that's when there's going to be a counter-reaction to that from some government, in, in this case the Ford government, to say, no, we're not going to have that go on. We're going to um, make it tougher to have this heritage status applied and maintained uh, for an indefinite period. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think a deadline is a good thing. And for the Ford government in particular, I mean, they've obviously given themselves this very ambitious goal of building 1.5 million homes over a decade. And I think they're trying to pull every lever, some more controversial than others. Don't forget, they're still dealing with the Greenbelt uh, fallout. But I, I don't think it's time to panic just yet. I mean, it's not a given that these properties that have been listed as heritage buildings, but you know, maybe not yet designated, will be developed into condos. I mean, it does seem like the city is weighing its options now and there's a possibility of creating like a city list that's separate but I think politically the city also has a lot of leverage at this point um, if they're not happy because I know that a lot of municipalities are now um, scrambling with this deadline uh, you know Olivia Chow and Doug Ford despite what we heard during the by-election that you triggered ha have actually been getting along now and making progress um, and you know I think the Ford government has also as, as you know I mentioned staring down its fair share of problems on the housing file and they've been backtracking on many policies, including some in Bill 23. So I do think that there is some political wiggle room here to, uh, you know, maybe deal with some of the fallout of this bill. But I think overall, you know, the Ford government is sticking to its guns and a, a deadline, uh, you know, will help. And, you know, we're inclined to blame government all the time for everything, but the people haven't necessarily kind of been up in arms. And this goes back decades. I mean, you're, you're too young to remember, but I'm not, that we came within literally minutes of having the old city hall torn down. And you can like or not like that building, but it is definitely a part of our history. It's one of the very few significant historic buildings that are in the right in the downtown of the city. And so I think in our case, it's partly been that people are asleep while a lot of these things go on one way or the other. Too many, you know, broken down shops being designated designated as heritage sites when they shouldn't be, and uh, on the other hand, perhaps a, a rush sometimes to tear things down that should be preserved because we want to uh, do something in the name of quote-unquote progress. Yeah, I think, you know, why not light a fire under City Hall a bit, try and consolidate this list, what really should be on it should be on it, um, and, you know, ki kind of get moving on this, because this is a housing crisis. A lot of these policies already feel like they're a bit too late. I mean, even for people like me who are have that dream of, of buying a house. So I think that anything really counts at this point, um, and it's not really a time to panic just yet for proponents of, you know, our, our heritage sites in the, in the province. Uh, but certainly, I think, you know, for staff at City Hall, it's uh, it's a bit of a rush. So speaking of staff at City Hall, I was talking earlier on, and I'm a, I'm a huge respecter of the staff at City Hall. I worked with them for, you know, eight years plus, and, and they do an excellent job, and they're in, in, incredibly intelligent uh, people who, um, you know, uh, write excellent sort of reports about the history of different issues, including heritage. But 
it, it does nonetheless absolutely mystify me, especially when I know that it takes 12 signatures to do anything uh, over there and, and at Queen's Park and in Ottawa, that they could get through all the way through, including the people who made the signs at whatever plant they made them, uh, with, with obvious typos in them, you know, where trail is trial and where downtown is downtown. You know, how do, how do these things happen? And aren't they the things, do you think, as a journalist watching all this, that make people the maddest as opposed to bigger mistakes that uh, people make in government? Well, it seems like a no-brainer, right? Like, how could these silly things happen? Why did it take so long to even fix this? You're right. You know, there's so many people signing off. As a, as a writer, it's like this is kind of a, a glaring typo. I actually thought, like, maybe it was a, a joke trying to say down, downtown, like how exactly. they say in downtown. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, this is, uh, you know, mistakes happen, of course, but it just seems like this is a perfect metaphor for, um, you know, kind of the the blunders, the silly mistakes that happen at City Hall and just sort of end up, you know, jamming, jamming things that and taking up time that really, you know, weren't even necessary uh, in, in the first place. So uh, speaking of the city and people getting up in arms about stuff or not, uh, depending on uh, how the case may be, uh, people seem to be getting up in arms sometimes. And I see them all the time. And frankly, I kind of smile and think, isn't it great that people are out there having a bit of fun and socializing, especially in the post-COVID period. But people are, some people are getting up in arms about what they call aggressive running clubs taking over Toronto streets. I mean, you see these groups out, you know, once in a while and you see them going along the sidewalk. And yeah, you have to maybe step to one side if you're on that sidewalk. But to me, this is really into the category of much ado about nothing. <laughs> I mean, look, I will say that as someone who is mostly a pedestrian in the city, Toronto streets are a jungle and it's not just aggressive runners, right? It's like these e-bikes, e-scooters. Those things are super quiet. They really can sneak up on you and go super fast. The baby stroller brigade. brigade I mean, this this town, I think, doesn't really have the best sidewalk etiquette compared to other big cities. But some of the stories I'm hearing about these runners that, that have been going around on social media, I mean, getting like checked by... Uh, you know, in the shoulder or being sworn at. I mean, that's really aggressive. I also don't know who's running right downtown in super busy areas, right? Like Dundas Square. Wouldn't you want a less busy, obstacle-free path? I just think this city needs to be better at, at sharing the sidewalk with everyone that uses it. Yeah, when you mentioned Young Dundas in particular... Um... I'm looking at a commercial concern that's coming in there now, and it is probably the area with the highest crowding, but the narrowest sidewalks in the whole city. I mean, and we built the city, you know, decades ago. I don't know whose fault it was. doesn't matter. With these incredibly narrow sidewalks at a place, Young and Dundas, for example, where the sidewalks, if you compare it to a place like New York, where there's a lot of pedestrians, are incredibly narrow, way too narrow, in fact. Yeah, absolutely. We we need more room. It, it it seems like too big of a problem even now. But I think especially with with young Dundas Square, there seems like there's so much underutilized space. It's very chaotic there. And, um, you know, if someone wants to run, put a running track in and maybe make a lap, maybe that's one uh, one fix for for that space there. I tell you, you're sounding like the fuddy daddy on this thing, not me in terms of that. <laughs> I, I just think people should run. They should be careful. They shouldn't body check anybody, like you said, or any of that kind of thing. I certainly not swear at anybody. But nonetheless, we'll move on. Uh, another one that's sort of, again, much ado about nothing. And it comes up over and over again, but it does get debated each time. And we have had a change in who the uh, reigning monarch is in our system. Uh, but a liberal MP is saying that the politician's oath of allegiance to King Charles could be history if he gets his way. And uh, 
you know, look, to me, it's part of our system, and our system seems to work. It's not perfect, but it's the best one we have. And if you compare us to other constitutional, uh, you know, democracies, I think our system works fairly well. And there's lots you can say about it that's anachronistic or whatever. But um, is this something that's going to go anywhere now that the Charles is there, who's not as popular as the Queen uh, Elizabeth was before? I think I think you're right. I think that these conversations always come up uh, in Canada when, you know, there's a change in the in the monarchy. And so I, I think this was inevitable. What What's interesting here is that it's actually a liberal MP's bill. I mean, private members bills uh, rarely become law, but this is coming from the government's own backbenches. And so I do kind of wonder if it might get more traction there. But it seems like Trudeau is kind of echoing your points. He's not interested. He says it's not the time. Uh, the monarchy is, you know, a, a figurehead for us. And so it feels very removed, uh, you know, for, for us in our everyday. But I, I don't I think this is just like, uh, you know, the conversation that's bound to happen whenever there's a change. And I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll be having it again in, in some years. Yeah, and I can assure you, having worked in a premier's office, uh, the degree of complete control you have over what the private member's bills uh, say or suggest uh, is not complete. Um, and so there are instances in which the decision you make is, well, better to let this MP, even part of the government side, introduce the bill and you know vent about it if that's what they want to do, rather than sort of try and clamp down and then later find that they're complaining it's kind of a, you know, a, 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 some kind of totally top-down you know, uh, government where MPs are nobody's, as, as as the elder Mr. Trudeau once said. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they might just let this one languish at committee um, and, you know, have the backbenchers get it, get involved a little bit more than the cabinet ministers. But I don't think this one's going to go anywhere. Uh, the, the same premier I worked for, Premier Davis, who's before your time, uh, would have said better they should be talking about that than the real issues. And what he meant by that, of course, was obvious. He, you know, he, he would much rather have them debating in the legislature, you know, whether there should be an oath of allegiance to King Charles rather than unemployment or hospital waiting times. And there was some... In some respects, he was right about that if you were looking at it from the government's own interests. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe now you're taking over the, the cynic side of... No, uh, no, no. Well, okay. You, you, now I have a journalist telling me that. Anyway, it's great <laughs> to have you uh, here with us this morning and other times when you're here. And we'll look forward to chatting again. Sabrina Nanji, a Queen's Park Observer, uh, this morning on The Morning Brief. Thanks a lot for being with us. Thanks for having me.